Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, ratchetandratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, uh, Lee Review on Podchaser, Lee Review on Apple Podcasts, um, Lee Review on Stitcher. So, as y'all can tell, the cartel is going to keep going, and what I'm not going to do to myself is the same thing that I did with uh, loving my wife and her sister too, which is just read them back to back to back because it became draining, and I really started to resent the book and the characters in it, and it could be that I um, did a disservice to the book. Nah, fuck that. Those that last book was bad. But anyway, in order to make sure that I don't do that to the cartel, what I'm going to do is that every two books, uh, I'm going to read a different book. So, I read the first two, and now I'm going to read something different. And as always, I have an ambiance cracker. And for this one, I'm going back to Jeffrey Deaver because I really do love this book. But I can't read it as a standalone because it's a bunch of short stories. And this one is called The Weekender. The night went bad fast. I looked in the rearview mirror and didn't see any lights, but I knew they were after us, and it was only a matter of time till I see the flashers. Toth started to talk, but I told him to shut up and got the Buick up to 80. The road was empty, nothing but pine trees for miles around. Oh, brother, Toth muttered. I felt his eyes on me, but I didn't even want to look at him. I was so mad. They were never easy, drugstores. Because, just watch sometime. When cops make their rounds, they cruise drugstores more often than any place else. Because of the Perco and Valium and the other drugs. You know. You'd think they'd stake out convenience stores. But those were a joke. And with the closed circuit TV, you're going to get your picture took. You just are. So nobody who knows the business, I mean really knows it, hits them. And banks? Forget banks. Even ATMs. I mean, how much can you clear? Three? Four hundred tops? And around here, the fast cash button gives you twenty only. Which tells you something. So why even bother? No. We wanted cash, and that meant a drugstore, even though they can be tricky. Ardmore Drugs, which is a big store in a little town, Liggett Falls, 60 miles from Albany and 100 or so from where Toth and me lived, farther west into the mountains. Liggett Falls is a poor place. You'd think it wouldn't make sense to hit a store there. But that's exactly why. Because like everywhere else, people there need medicine and hairspray and makeup. Only they don't have credit cards. Except maybe a Sears or Pennies. So they pay cash. Oh, brother. Toth whispered again. Look. And he made me even madder. Him saying that. I wanted to shout, look at what, you son of a bitch. But then I could see what he was talking about, and I didn't say anything. Up ahead. It was just before dawn. Light on the horizon. Only this was red, and the light wasn't steady. 
It was like it was pulsing, and I knew that they had got the roadblock up already. This was the only road to the interstate from Liggett Falls, so I should have guessed. I got an idea, Toss said, which I didn't want to hear, but I also wasn't going to go through another shootout. Surely not at a roadblock where they were ready for us. What? I snapped. There's a town over there. See those lights? I know a road that'll take us there. Toth's a big guy, and he looks calm. Only he isn't really. He gets shook easy, and now he kept turning around, skittish, looking in the back seat. I wanted to slap him and tell him to chill. Where is it? I asked. This town. About four or five miles. The turnoff, it ain't marked, but I know it. This was that lousy upstate area where everything's green. But dirty green, you know. And all the buildings are gray. These gross little shacks, pickups on blocks. Little towns without even a 7-Eleven. And full of hills they call mountains, but aren't. Toth cranked down the window and let in this cold air and looked up at the sky. They can find us with those, you know, satellite things. What are you talking about? You know, they can see you from miles up. I saw it in a movie. You think the state cops do that? Are you nuts? This guy. I don't know why I work with him. And after what happened at the drugstore, I won't again. He pointed out where to turn, and I did. He said the town was at the base of the lookout. Well, I remember passing out on the way to Liggett Falls this afternoon. It was this huge rock a couple hundred feet high. When you looked at it right, it kind of looked like a man's head. Like a profile, squinting. It had been some sort of big deal to the Indians around here. Blah, blah, blah. He told me, but I didn't pay no attention. It was spooky, that weird face. And I looked once and kept on driving. I didn't like it. I'm not really superstitious, but sometimes I am. Winchester, he said now, meaning what the name of the town was. Five, six thousand people. We could find an empty house, stash a car in a garage, and just wait out the search. Wait until tomorrow afternoon, Sunday, when all the weekenders were driving back to Boston and New York, and we'd be lost in the crowd. I could see the lookout up ahead. Not really a shape. Mostly this blackness where the stars weren't. And then the guy on the floor in the back started to moan all of a sudden, and just about gave me a heart attack. You! Shut up back there. I slapped the seat and the guy in the back went quiet. What a night. We got to the drugstore 15 minutes before it closed. Like you ought to do. Because most of the customers are gone and a lot of the clerks left and people are tired and when you push a Glock or Smitty into their face, they'll do just about anything you ask. Except tonight. We had our masks down and walked in slow. Todd getting the manager out of his little office. A fat guy who started crying and that made me mad. A grown man doing that. Todd kept a gun on the customers and the clerks. And I was on the cashier, this kid, to open the tills. And Jesus, he had an attitude. 
like he had seen all those Steven Seagal movies or something. A little kiss on the cheek with the smitty and he changed his mind and started moving. Cussing me out, but he was moving. I was counting the bucks as we were going along from one to the next. And sure enough, we were up to about 3,000 when I heard this noise and turned around. And what it was? Toth was knocking over a rack of chips. I mean, Jesus, he's getting Doritos. I look away from the kid for just a second and what's he do? He pitches this bottle, only not at me, out the window. Bang, it breaks. There's no alarm I could hear, but half of them are silent anyway, and I'm really pissed. I could have killed them, right there. Only I didn't. Toth did. He shoots the kid, bang, bang. Shit. And everybody else is scattering and he turns around and shoots another one of the clerks and the customer. Just blam. Not thinking or nothing. Just for no reason. Hit this girl clerk in the leg, but this guy, this customer, well, he was dead. You could see. And I'm going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's going, shut up, shut up, shut up. And we're like, we're swearing at each other when we figured out we had to get out of there. So we left. Only what happens is, there's a cop outside. That's why the kid threw the bottle, to get his attention. And he's out of his car. So we grab another customer, this guy by the door, and we use him like a shield and get outside. And there's the cop. He's holding his gun up, looking at the customer we got. And the cop, he's saying, it's okay, it's okay. Just take it easy. And I couldn't believe it. Toth shot him too. I don't know whether he killed him, but there was blood so he wasn't wearing a vest it didn't look like. And I could have killed Toth right there on the spot. Because why'd he do that? He didn't have to. We threw the guy, the customer, into the back seat and tied him up with tape. I kicked out the taillights and burned rubber out of there. We made it out of Liggett Falls. That was all just a half hour ago, but it seemed like weeks. And now we were driving down this highway through a million pine trees, heading right for the lookout. Winchester was dark. I don't get why weekenders come to places like this. I mean, my old man took me hunting a long time ago. A couple times and I liked it. But coming to places like this just to look at leaves and buy furniture they call antiques but it's really just busted up crap? I don't know. We found a house a block off Main Street with a bunch of newspapers in front. And I pulled into the drive and put the Buick behind the place just in time. Two state police cars went shooting by. They've been behind us not more than a half mile without the light bars going. Only they hadn't seen us because of the broke taillights, and they went by in a flash and were gone, going to downtown. Todd got into the house, and he wasn't very clean about it, breaking a window on the back. It was a vacation place, pretty empty, and the refrigerator was shut off, and the phone too, which was a good sign. There wasn't anybody coming back soon. Also, it smelled pretty musty and had stacks of old books and magazines from the summer. We brought the guy inside and Todd started to take the hood off this guy's head and I said, What the hell are you doing? He hasn't said anything. 
Maybe he can't breathe. This was a man talking who just laid a cap on three people back there. And he was worried about this guy breathing. Man, I just laughed. Disgusted laughing, I mean. Like maybe we don't want him to see us, I said. You think of that? See, we weren't wearing our ski masks anymore. It's scary when you have to remind people of stuff like that. I was thinking Toth knew better, but you never know. I went to the window and saw another squad car go past. They were going slower now. They do that. After like the first shock, after the rush, they get smart and start cruising slow. Really looking for what's funny. What's different, you know? That's why I didn't take the papers up from the front yard. Which would have been different than how the yard looked that morning. Cops really do that Columbo stuff. I could write a book about cops. Why'd you do it? It was the guy we took. Why? He whispered again. The customer. He had a low voice and it sounded pretty calm. I mean considering. I'll tell you. The first time I was in the shootout, I was totally freaked for a day afterwards. And I had a gun. I looked him over. He was wearing a plaid shirt and jeans. But he wasn't a local. I could tell because of the shoes. They were rich boy shoes. The kind you see all the yuppies wear. I couldn't see his face because of the mask. But I pretty much remembered it. He wasn't young. Maybe in his 40s. Kind of wrinkled skin. And he was skinny too. Skinnier than me. And I'm one of those people that can eat what I want and I don't get fat. I don't know why. It just works that way. Quiet, I said. There was another car going by. He laughed, soft. Like he was saying, what? You think they can hear me all the way outside? kind of laughing at me, you know? I didn't like that at all. And sure, I guess you couldn't hear anything out there, but I didn't like him giving me any crap, so I said, just shut up. I don't want to hear your voice. He did for a minute, and just sat back in the chair where Toth put him. But then he said again, why'd you shoot him? You didn't have to. Quiet. Just tell me why. I took out my knife and snapped that sucker open, then threw it down so it was stuck in the tabletop. Sort of a sound. You hear that? That was an 8 inch buck knife, carbon tempered, with a locking blade. It'd cut clean through a metal bolt, so you be quiet, or I'll use it on you. And he gave this laugh again. Maybe. Or it was just a snort of air. But I was thinking it was a laugh. I wanted to ask him what he meant by it. But I didn't. You got any money on you? Toth asked and pulled the wallet out of the guy's back pocket. Look it. He pulled out what must have been five or six hundred. Man. Another squad car went by. Moving slow. It had a spotlight, and the cop turned it on the driveway, but he kept going. I heard a siren across town, and another one, too. It was a weird feeling, knowing those people were out there looking for us.
I took the wallet from Toth and looked through it. Randall C. Weller Jr. He lived in Connecticut. A weekender, just like I thought. He had a bunch of business cards that said he was vice president of this big computer company. One that was in the news, trying to take over IBM or something. All of a sudden, I had this thought. We could hold him for ransom. I mean, why not? Make a half million. Maybe more. My wife and kids will be sick, worrying, Weller said. It spooked me, hearing that. Because there I was, looking right at a picture in his wallet. And what was it of? His wife and kids. I ain't letting you go. Now, just shut up. I may need you. Like a hostage, you mean? That's only in the movies. They'll shoot you when you walk out, and they'll shoot me too if they have to. That's the way cops do it in real life. Just give yourself up. At least you'll save your life. Shut up, I shouted. Let me go, and I'll tell them you treated me fine. That the shooting was a mistake. It wasn't your fault. I leaned forward and pushed the knife against his throat. Not the blade, because that's real sharp, but the blunt edge, and told him to be quiet. Another car went past. No light this time, but it was going slower. And all of a sudden, I got to thinking, what if they do a door-to-door search? Why did he do it? Why did he kill them? And funny, the way he said he made me feel a little better, because it was like he didn't blame me for it. I mean, it was Toth's fault, not mine. Weller kept going. I don't get it. That man by the counter, the tall one, he was just standing there. He didn't do anything. He just shot him down. But neither of us said anything. Probably Toth, because he didn't know why he'd shot him. And me, because I didn't owe this guy any answers. I had him in my hand. Completely, and I had to let him know that. I didn't have to talk to him. But the guy, Weller, he didn't say anything else. And I got this weird feeling. Like this pressure building up. You know, because no one was answering this damn stupid question. I felt this urge to say something. Anything. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. So I said, I'm going to move the car into the garage. And I went outside to do it. I looked around the garage to see if there was anything worth taking. And there wasn't. Except the snapper lawnmower. But how do you fence one of those? So I drove the Buick inside and closed the door. And I went back into the house. And then, I couldn't believe what happened. I mean, Jesus. When I walked into the living room, the first thing I heard was Todd saying, No way, man. I'm not snitching on Jack Prescott. I just stood there. And you should have seen the look on his face. He knew he'd blown it big. Now this Weller guy knew my name. I didn't say anything. I didn't have to. Todd started talking real fast and nervous. 
He said he'd pay me some big bucks to let him go. Trying to turn her around, make it Weller's fault. I mean, I wasn't going to. I wasn't even thinking about it. I told him forget it. But what's with telling him my name? I don't know, man. He confused me. I wasn't thinking. I'll say he wasn't. He hadn't been thinking all night. I sighed to let him know I wasn't happy, but I just clapped him on the shoulder. Okay, I said. It's been a long night. These things happen. I'm sorry, man. Really? Yeah. Maybe you better go spend the night in the garage or something. Or upstairs. I don't want to see you around for a while. Sure. And the funny thing was, just then, Weller gave this little snicker or something. Like he knew what was coming. How'd he know that, I wondered. Toth went to pick up a couple magazines and the knapsack with his gun in it and extra rounds. Normally, killing somebody with a knife is a hard thing to do. I say normally, even though I've only done it one other time. But I remember it, and it was messy and hard work. But tonight, I don't know. I was just filled up with this feeling from the drugstore. Mad, I mean. Really mad. Crazy, too, a little. And as soon as Todd turned his back, I got him around the neck and went to work. And it wasn't three minutes later, it was over. I drug his body behind the couch and then, why not? Pulled Weller's hood off. He already knew my name. He might as well see my face. He was a dead man. And we both knew it. You were thinking of holding me for ransom, right? I stood at the window and looked out. Another cop car went past and there were more flashing lights bouncing off the low clouds and off the face of the lookout, right over our heads. Weller had a thin face and short hair, cut real neat. He looked like every ass-kissing businessman I'd ever met. His eyes were dark and calm like his voice, and it made me even matter he wasn't shook up looking at that big blood stain on the rug and floor. No, I told him. He looked at the pile of all the stuff I had taken from his wallet and kept going like I hadn't said anything. It won't work. A kidnapping. I don't have a lot of money, and if you saw my business card and thinking I'm an executive at the company, they have about 500 vice presidents. They won't pay diddly for me. And you see the kids in that picture? It was taken 12 years ago. They're both in college now. Paying major tuition. Where? I asked, sneering. Harvard? One's at Harvard, he said, like he was snapping at me. And one's at Northwestern. So the house is mortgaged to the hilt. Besides, kidnapping somebody by yourself? Nah, you couldn't bring that off. He saw the way I looked at him and said, I don't mean you personally, Jack. I mean somebody by himself. You need partners. And I figured that he was right. That silence again. Nobody saying nothing and it was like the room was filling up with cold water. I walked to the windows and the floors creaked under my feet and that only made things worse. 
I remember one time, my dad said that a house had a voice of its own, and some houses were laughing houses, and some were forlorn. Well, this is a forlorn house. Yeah, it was modern and clean, and the National Geographic were all in order, but it was still forlorn. Just when I felt like shouting because of the tension, Weller said, I don't want you to kill me. Who said I was going to kill you? He gave me this funny little smile. I've been a salesman for 25 years. I've sold pets and Cadillacs and typesetters and lately I've been selling mainframe computers. I know when I'm being handed a line. You're going to kill me. It's the first thing you thought of when you heard him, nodding towards Toth, say your name. I just laughed at him. Well, that's a damn handy thing to be. Sort of a walking lie detector. I said it, and I was being sarcastic. But he just said, damn handy. Like he was agreeing with me. I don't want to kill you. Oh, I know you don't want to. You didn't want your friend to kill anybody back there at the drugstore either. I could see that. But people got killed, and that ups the stakes, right? And those eyes of his... They just dug into me and I couldn't say anything. But, he said, I'm going to talk you out of it. He sounded real certain and that made me feel better. Because I'd rather kill a cocky son of a bitch than a pathetic one. And so I laughed. Talk me out of it? I'm going to try. Yeah? How are you going to do that? Weller cleared his throat a little. First, let's get everything on the table. I've seen your face, and I know your name. Jack Prescott, right? You're what? About 5'9", 150 pounds, black hair? So you gotta assume that I can identify you. I'm not gonna play any games and say I didn't see you clearly or hear who you were. Or anything like that. We all squared away on that, Jack? I nodded, rolling my eyes like this is all a load of crap. But I gotta admit, I was kind of curious what he had to say. My promise, he said, is that I won't turn you in. Not under any circumstances. The police will never learn your name from me. Or your description. I'll never testify against you. Sounding honest as a priest. Real slick delivery. Well, he was a salesman, and I wasn't going to buy it. But he didn't know I was on to him. Let him give me his pitch. Let him think I was going along. When it came down to it, after we'd got away and were somewhere in the woods upstate, I'd want him relaxed. No screaming. No hassles. Just a couple fast cuts or shots. And that'll be it. You understand what I'm saying? I tried to look serious and said, Sure. You're thinking you could talk me out of killing you. You got reasons why I shouldn't? Oh, I've got reasons. You bet. One in particular. One that you can't argue with. Yeah? What's that? I'll get to it in a minute. Let me tell you some of the practical reasons you should let me go. First, you think you gotta kill me because I know who you are, right? Well... 
How long you think your identity is going to be a secret? Your buddy shot a cop back there. I don't know police stuff except what I see in the movies. But they're going to be looking at tire tracks and witnesses who saw plates and makes of cars and gas stations you might have stopped at on the way here. He was just blowing smoke. The Buick was stolen. I mean, I'm not stupid. But he went on, looking at me real coy. Even if your car was stolen, they're going to check down every lead. Every shoe print around where you or your friend stole it. Talk to everybody in the area around the time it vanished. I kept smiling like it was nuts what he was saying. But this was true. The shooting the cop part. You do that and you're in big trouble. Trouble that sticks with you. They don't stop looking until they find you. And when they identify your buddy, he nodded towards the couch where Todd's body was lying. They're going to make some connection to you. I don't know him that good. We just hung around the past few months. Weller jumped on this. Where? A bar? A restaurant? Anybody ever see you in public? I got mad and I shouted, So? What are you saying? They're going to bust me anyway, then I'll just take you out with me. How's that for an argument? Calm as could be, he said, I'm simply telling you that one of the reasons you want to kill me doesn't make sense. And think about this. The shooting at the drugstore, it wasn't premeditated. It was, what do they call it? Heat of passion. But you kill me, that's first degree. You'll get the death penalty when they find you. When they find you. Right, I laughed to myself. Oh, what he said made sense, but the fact is, killing isn't a making sense kind of thing. Hell, it never makes sense, but sometimes you just have to do it. But I was kind of having fun now. I wanted to argue back. Yeah, well, I killed Toth. That wasn't heat of passion. I'm going to get the needle anyway for that. But nobody gives a damn about him. He came right back. They don't care if he killed himself or got hit by a car. You could take that piece of garbage out of the equation altogether. They care if you kill me. I'm the innocent bystander in the headlines. I'm the father of two. You kill me, you're as good as dead. I started to say something, but he kept going. Now here's another reason I'm not going to say anything about you. Because you know my name, and you know where I live. You know I have a family, and you know how important they are to me. If I turn you in, you could come after us. I'd never jeopardize my family that way. Now let me ask you something. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Keep listening to you spout on and on. Weller laughed at that. I could see he was surprised I had a sense of humor. After a minute, he said, Seriously, the worst thing. I don't, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Lose a leg, go deaf, lose all your money, go blind. Hey, that one looked like it hit a nerve. Going blind. Yeah, I guess. That would be the worst thing I could think of. 
That was a pretty damn scary thing, and I had thought on it before. Because that was what happened to my old man. And it wasn't just not seeing anymore that got to me. No, it was that I had to depend on someone else for Christ, for everything, I guess. Okay, think about this, he said. The way you feel about going blind is the way my family would feel if they lost me. It'll be that bad for them. You don't want to cause them that kind of pain, do you? I didn't want to, no. But I knew I had to. I didn't want to think about it anymore. I asked him, So what's this last reason you're telling me about? The last reason, he said, kind of whispering. But he didn't go on. He looked around the room, you know, like his mind was someplace else. Yeah, I asked. I was pretty curious. Tell me. But he just asked, You think these people, they have a bar? And I had just been thinking I could use a drink too. I went into the kitchen, and of course I didn't have any beer in the fridge on account of the house being all closed up and the power off. But they did have scotch, and that would be my first choice anyway. I got a couple glasses and took the bottle back to the living room, thinking this was a good idea. When it came time to do it, it would be easier for him and me both if we were kind of tanked. I shoved my smitty into his neck and cut the tape his hands were tied with, then taped them in front of him. I sat back and kept my knife ready, in case he tried anything. But it didn't look like he was going to do anything. He read over the scotch bottle, kind of disappointed that it was cheap. And I agreed with him there. One thing I learned a long time ago, you're going to rob, rob rich. I sat back where I could keep an eye on him. The last reason? Okay, I'll tell you. I'm going to prove to you that you should let me go. You are? All those other reasons, the practical ones, the humanitarian ones, I'll concede. You don't care much about those. You don't look very convinced, alright? Then let's look at the one reason you should let me go. I figured this was going to be more crap. But what he said was something I never would have expected. You should let me go for your own sake. For me? What are you talking about? See, Jack, I don't think you're lost. What do you mean, lost? I don't think your soul's beyond redemption. I laughed at this. Laughed out loud. Because I just had to. I expected a hell of a lot better from a hotshot vice president salesman like him. Soul? You think I have a soul? Well, everyone's got a soul, he said. And what was crazy was that he said it like he was surprised that I didn't think so. It was like I'd said, wait a minute. You mean the earth ain't flat? Or something like that. Well, if I got a soul, it's taking the fast lane to hell. Which is this line I heard in this movie, and I tried to laugh, but it sounded flat. Like Weller was saying something deep, and I was just kidding around. It made me feel cheap. I stopped smiling and looked down at Toth, lying there in the corner. Those dead eyes of his just staring, staring. And I wanted to stab him again, I was so mad. We're talking about your soul. I snickered and sipped the liquor. Oh yeah, 
I bet you to sort the Rizzo's angel books they got all over the place now. I go to church, but no. I'm not talking about all that silly crap. I don't mean magic. I mean your conscience. What Jack Prescott's all about. I could tell him about social workers and youth counselors and all those guys who don't know nothing about the way life works. They think they do. But it's the words they use. You could tell they don't know a thing. Some counselors or somebody will talk to me and they'll say, Oh, you're maladjusted. You're denying your anger. Things like that. When I hear that, I know they don't know nothing about soldier spirits. Not the afterlife while it was going on. Not morality. I'm talking life here on earth that's important. Oh, sure, you look skeptical. But listen to me. I really believe if you have a connection with somebody, if you trust them, if you have faith in them, then there's hope for you. Hope. What's that mean? Hope for what? That you'll become a real human being. Lead a real life. Real. I didn't know what he meant, but he said it like what he was saying was so clear that I'd have to be an idiot to miss it. So I didn't say nothing. He kept going. Oh, there's reasons to steal and there's reasons to kill. But on the whole, don't you really think it's better not to? Just think about it. Why do we put people in jail if it's alright for them to murder? Not just us, but all societies. So, what? Ooh, I'm going to give up my evil ways. And he just lifted his eyebrow and said, Maybe. Tell me, Jack. How'd you feel when your buddy, what's his name? Joe Roy Toth. Toth. When he shot that customer by the counter, how'd you feel? I don't know. He just turned around and shot him. For no reason. You knew that wasn't right, didn't you? And I started to say something. But he said, no, don't answer me. You'd be inclined to lie. And that's alright. It's an instinct in your line of work. But I don't want you believing any lies you tell me, okay? I want you to look into your heart and tell me if you didn't think something was real wrong about what Toth did. Think about that, Jack. You knew something wasn't right. Alright. I did. But who wouldn't? Toth screwed everything up. Everything went sour. And it was all his fault. It dug at you, right, Jack? You wished he hadn't done it. I didn't say nothing but just drank some more scotch and looked out the window and watched the flashing lights around the town. Sometimes they seem close and sometimes they seem far away. If I let you go, you'll tell them about me. Like everybody else, they all betrayed me. My father, even after he went blind, the son of a bitch turned me in. My first PO, the judges, Sandra. My boss, the one I knifed. No, I won't, Weller said. We've been talking about an agreement. I don't break deals. I promised I won't tell a soul about you, Jack. Not even my wife. He leaned forward, cupping the booze between his hands. You let me go, 
It'll mean all the difference in the world to you. It'll mean that you're not hopeless. I guarantee your life will be different. That one act, letting me go, it'll change you forever. Oh, maybe not this year. Or for five years. But you'll come around. You'll give up all of this. Everything that happened back there in Liggett Falls. All the crime. All the killing. You'll come around. I know you will. You just expect me to believe you won't tell anybody? Ah, Weller said and lifted his bound up hands to drink more scotch. Now we get down to the big issue. Again, that's silence. And finally I said, and what's that? Faith. There was this burst of siren outside, real near, and I told him to shut up and push the gun against his head. His hands were shaking, but he didn't do anything stupid, and a few minutes later I sat back, and he started talking again. Faith. That's what I'm talking about. A man who has faith is someone who can be saved. Well, I don't have any faith, I told him. But he kept right on talking. If you believe in another human being, you have faith. Why the hell do you care whether I'm saved or not? Because life's hard and people are cruel. I told you I'm a churchgoer. A lot of the Bible's crazy, but some of it I believe. And one of the things I believe is that sometimes we're put in these situations to make a difference. I think that's what happened tonight. That's why you and I both happen to be at the drugstore at the same time. You felt that, haven't you? Like an omen? Like something happens and it's telling you you ought to do this or shouldn't do that? Which is weird, because the whole time we were driving up to Liggett Falls, I kept thinking something funny's going on. I don't know what it is, but this job's going to be different. What if, he said, Everything tonight happened for a purpose. My wife had a cold, so I went to buy NyQuil. I went to that drugstore instead of a 7-Eleven to save a buck or two. You happened to hit that store at just that time. You happened to have your buddy, he nodded towards Toth's body, with you. The cop car just happened by at that particular moment. And the clerk behind the counter just happened to see him. That's a lot of coincidences, don't you think? And then, and this sent a damn chill right down my spine, he said, Here we are in the shadow of that big rock, that face. Which is 100% what I was thinking. Exactly the same about the lookout, I mean. I don't know why I was. But I happened to be looking out that window and thinking about it at the same exact instant. I tossed back the scotch and had another. And oh man, I was pretty freaked out. Like he's looking at us, waiting for you to make a decision. Oh, don't think it was just you though. Maybe the purpose was to affect everybody's life there. That customer at the counter your friend shot? Maybe it was just his time to go. Fast, you know. Before he had a stroke or got cancer. 
Maybe that girl, the clerk, had to get shot in the leg so she'd get her life together. Maybe get off drugs or stop drinking. And you? What about you? Well, I'll tell you about me. Maybe you're the good deed in my life. I spent years thinking only about making money. Take a look at my wallet. There, in the back. I pulled it open. There were a half dozen of these little cards. Like certificates. Randall Weller, salesman of the year. Exceeded target two years straight. Best salesman in 1992. Weller kept going. There are plenty of others back in my office. And trophies too. And in order for me to win those, I had to neglect people. My family and my friends. People who could maybe use my help. And that's not right. Maybe you kidnapping me? It's one of those signs that made me turn my life around. The funny thing was, this made sense. Oh, it was hard to imagine not doing heists. And I couldn't see myself if it came down to a fight, not going for my buck or my smitty to take the other guy out. That turning the other cheek stuff, that's only for losers. But maybe I could see a day when my life would just be straight time. Living with some woman, maybe a wife. And not treating her the way I treated Sandra. Living in a house. Doing what my father and mother, whatever she was like, never did. If I was to let you go, I said, you'd have to tell him something. He shrugged. I'll say you locked me in the trunk and then tossed me out somewhere near here. I wandered around looking for a house or something and got lost. It could take me a day to find somebody. That's believable. Or you could flag down a car in an hour. I could, but I won't. You keep saying that, but how do I know? That's the faith part. You don't know. No guarantees. Well, I guess I don't have any faith. Then I'm dead. And your life's not ever going to change. End of story. He sat back and shrugged. That's silence again. But it was like, it was really this roar all around us. You just, you just want, what do you want? He drank more scotch. Here's a proposal. Let me walk outside. Oh, right. Just let you stroll out for some fresh air or something. Let me walk outside. And I promise you I'll walk right back in again. Like a test? He thought about this for a second. Yeah, a test. Where's this faith you're talking about? You walk outside, you try and run, and I shoot you in the back. No. What you do is you put the gun someplace in the house. The kitchen or someplace. Somewhere you couldn't get it if I ran. You stand at the window where we can see each other. And I'll tell you up front, I can run like the wind. I was lettered track and field in college and I still jog every day of the year. You know if you run and bring the cops back, it's all going to get bloody. I'll kill the first five troopers come through that door. 
Nothing will stop me, and that blood will be on your hands. Of course I know that, he said. But if this is going to work, you can't think that way. You've got to assume the worst is going to happen. That if I run, I'll tell the cops everything. Where you are, and that there's no hostages here, and that you only got one or two guns. And they're going to come in and blow you to hell. And you're not going to take a single one down with you. You're going to die, and die painfully because of a few lousy bucks. But, but, but. He held up his hands and stopped me from saying anything. You got to understand, faith means risk. That's stupid. I think it's just the opposite. It'll be the smartest thing you ever do in your life. I tossed back another scotch and had to think about this. Weller said, I can see it there already. Some of that faith. It's there. Not a lot. But some. And yeah, maybe there was a little. Because I was thinking about how mad I got at Toth and the way he ruined everything. I didn't want anyone to get killed tonight. I was sick of it. Sick of the way my life had gone. Sometimes it was good being alone and all. Not answering to anybody. But sometimes it was real bad. And this guy Weller, it was like he was showing me something different. So, I said, you just want me to put the gun down? He looked around. Put in the kitchen. You stand in the doorway or window. All I'm going to do is walk down to the street and walk back. I looked out of the window. It was maybe 50 feet down the driveway. There were these bushes on either side of it. He could just take off and I'd never find him. All through the sky, I could see police car lights flickering. Nah, I ain't gonna. You're nuts. I expected begging or something. Or him getting pissed off more likely. Which is what happens to me when people don't do what I tell them. Or don't do it fast enough. But nah, he just nodded. Okay, Jack, you thought about it. That's a good thing. You're not ready yet. I respect that. He sipped a little more scotch, looking at the glass. And that was the end of it. Then all of a sudden, these searchlights started up. They were some ways away, but I still got spooked and backed away from the window. Pulled my gun out. Only then, I saw it wasn't nothing to do with the robbery. It was just a couple big spotlights shining on the lookout. They must have gone on every night at this time. I looked up at it. From here, it didn't look like a face at all. It was just a rock. Gray and brown and these funny pine trees growing sideways out of cracks. Watching it for a minute or two. Looking out over the town. And something that guy was saying really went into my head. Not the words. Just the thought. And I was thinking about everybody in that town leading normal lives. There was a church steeple and the roofs of small houses. A lot of little yellow lights in town. You could just make out the hills in the distance. And I wished for a minute I was in one of them houses. Sitting there. Watching TV with a wife next to me. I turned back from the window and I said, You just walk down the road and back. That's it. 
That's all. I won't run off. You don't get your gun. We trust each other. What can be simpler? Listening to the wind. Not a strong but steady hiss that was comforting in a funny way. Even though any other time, I'd have thought it sounded cold and raw. It was like I heard a voice. I don't know. Something in me said I ought to do this. I didn't say nothing else because I was right on the edge and I was afraid he'd say something that would make me change my mind. I just took the Smith & Wesson and looked at it a minute, then went and put it on the kitchen table. I came back with the buck and cut his feet free. Then I figured if I was going to do it, I ought to go all the way. So I cut his hands free too. Weller seemed surprised I did that. But he smiled like he knew I was playing the game. I pulled him to his feet and held the blade to his neck and took him to the door. You're doing a good thing, he said. I was thinking, oh man, I can't believe this. It's crazy. Part of me said, cut him now. Cut his throat. Do it. But I didn't. I opened the door and smelled cold fall air and wood smoke and pine. And I heard the wind in the rocks and trees above our head. Go on. I told him. Weller started off, and he didn't look back to check on me. See if I went to get the gun. Faith, I guess. He kept walking real slow towards the road. I felt funny, I'll tell you. And a couple times when he went past some real shadowy place in the driveway and could disappear, I was like, oh man, this is all messed up. I'm crazy. I almost panicked a few times and bolted for the smitty, but I didn't. When Weller got down near the sidewalk, I was actually holding my breath. I expected him to go. I really did. I was looking for that moment when people tense up, when they're going to swing or draw down on you or bolt. It's like their bodies are shouting what they're going to do before they do it. Only Weller wasn't doing none of that. He walked down to the sidewalk real casual. And he turned and looked up at the face of the lookout like he was just another weekender. Then he turned around. He nodded at me. Which is when the cop car came by. It was a state trooper. Those are the dark ones. And he didn't have the light bar going. So he was almost here before I knew it. I guess I was looking at Weller so hard. I didn't see anything else. There it was. Two doors away. And Weller saw it at the same time I did. And I thought. Oh hell, that's it. But when I was turning to get the gun, I saw this motion down by the road. And I stopped cold. Could you believe it? Weller dropped onto the ground and rolled beneath the tree. I closed the door real fast and watched from the window. The trooper stopped and turned his light on the driveway. The beam, it was real bright. It moved up and down and hit all the bushes in the front of the house, then back to the road. But it was like Weller was digging down into the pine needles to keep from being seen. I mean, he was hiding from those sons of bitches. Doing whatever he could to stay out of the way of the light. Then the car moved on, and I saw the lights checking out the house next door, and then it was gone. I kept my eyes on Weller the whole time, and he didn't do nothing stupid. I seen him climb out from under the tree and dust himself off. Then he came walking back to the house. 
easy, like he was walking to a bar to meet some buddies. He came inside, gave this little sigh, like relief, and laughed. Then he held his hands out. I didn't even ask him to. I taped him up again, and he sat down in the chair, picked up his scotch and sipped it. And damn, I'll tell you something. The God's truth. I felt good. Nah, nah, it wasn't like I'd seen the light or anything like that crap. But I was thinking that of all the people in my life, my dad or my ex or Toth or anybody else, I never did really trust them. I never let myself go all the way. And here, tonight, I did. With a stranger and somebody who had the power to do me some harm. It was a pretty scary feeling, but it was also a good feeling. A little thing, real little. But maybe that's where stuff like this starts. I realized then that I had been wrong. I could let him go. Oh, I keep him tied up here, gagged. It'll be a day or two before he get out. But he'd agree to that. I knew he would. And I write his name and address down. Let him know I knew where him and his family lived. But that was only part of why I let him go. I wasn't sure what the rest of it was. But it was something about what just happened. Something between me and him. How do you feel? He asked. I wasn't going to give too much away. No, sir. But I couldn't help saying, that car coming by? I thought I was gone then. But you did right by me. And you did right too, Jack. And then he said, pour us another round. I filled the glasses to the top. We tapped him. Here's to you, Jack. And the faith. To faith. I tossed back the whiskey, and when I lowered my head, sniffing air through my nose to clear my head, well, that was when he got me. Right in the face. He was good, that son of a bitch. Tossed the glass low so that even when I ducked, which of course I did, the booze caught me in the eye, and man, that stung like nobody's business. I couldn't believe it. I was howling in pain and going for the knife, but it was too late. He had it all planned out, exactly what I was going to do, how I was going to move. He brought his knee up into my chin and knocked a couple teeth out, and I went over on my back before I could get the knife out of my pocket. Then he dropped down on my belly with his knee. I remembered I'd never bothered to tape his feet up again, and he knocked the wind out, and I was lying there like I was paralyzed, trying to breathe and all. Only I couldn't. The pain was incredible. But what was worse was the feeling that he didn't trust me. I was whispering, No, no, no. I was going to do it, man. You don't understand. I was going to let you go. I couldn't see nothing and couldn't really hear nothing either. My ears were roaring so much. I was gasping. You don't understand. You don't understand. Man, the pain was so bad. So bad. Weller must have got the tape off his hands, chewed through it, I guess, because he was rolling me over. I felt him tape my hands together, then grabbed me and dragged me over to a chair, taped my feet to the legs. He got some water and threw it in my face to wash the whiskey out of my eyes. 
He sat down in the chair in front of me, and he just stared at me for a long, long time while I caught my breath. He picked up his glass, poured more scotch. I shied away, thinking he was going to throw it in my face again, but he just sat there, sipping it and staring at me. You, I was going to let you go. I was. I know, he said, still calm. You know. I could see it in your face. I've been a salesman for years, remember? I know when I've closed a deal. I'm a pretty strong guy, especially when I'm mad, and I tried real hard to break through that tape, but there was no doing it. God damn you, I shouted. You said you weren't going to turn me in. You and all your goddamn talk about faith. Shh, Weller whispered, and he sat back, crossed his legs, easy as could be, looking me up and down. That fellow your friend shot and killed back at the drugstore? The customer at the counter? I nodded slowly. He was my friend. It's his place my wife and I are staying out this weekend with all of our kids. I just stared at him. His friend? What was he saying? I didn't. Be quiet, he said, real soft. I've known him for years. Jerry was one of my best friends. I didn't want anybody to die. I, but somebody did die. And it was your fault. Toth, he whispered. It was your fault. All right, you tricked me. Call the cops. Get it over with, you goddamn liar. You really don't understand, do you? Weller shook his head. Why was he so calm? His hands weren't shaking. He wasn't looking around, nervous and all. Nothing like that. He said, If I wanted to turn you in, I would have just flagged down that squad car a few minutes ago. But I said I wouldn't do that. And I won't. I gave you my word I wouldn't tell the cops a thing about you. And I won't. Turning you in is the last thing I want to do. Then what do you want? I shouted. Tell me. Trying to bust through that tape. And as he unfolded my buck knife with a click, I was thinking of something I told him. Oh man, no. Oh no. Yeah, being blind I guess. That would be the worst thing I could think of. What are you going to do? I whispered. What am I going to do, Jack? Weller said, feeling the blade of the buck with his thumb and looking him in the eye. Well, I'll tell you. I spent a good deal of time today proving to you that you shouldn't kill me. And now? What, man? What? Now? I'm going to spend a good deal of time proving to you that you should have. Then, real slow, Weller finished his scotch and stood up. And he walked towards me, that weird little smile on his face. Nine one six six three three one five three seven. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Um... Lee review on Podchaser. Uh, 
you can leave a review for episodes and for shows. Uh, leave a review at Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Thank y'all so much for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.